Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special podcast series organized by the Latvian Institute of International Affairs. My name is Eris Bosch. Uh, my guest today is the U.S. Ambassador to Latvia, John Carwell. Honored to have you with us, Mr. Ambassador. Can you hear me well? Let's just yeah. check the connection. I can, Eris, and uh, many thanks to you and your team for uh, inviting me on today. This is great. All right. Uh, the Ambassador has kindly agreed uh, to spend the uh, next half an hour or so uh, with us to discuss what is going on currently in U.S.-Latin relations and what is going on more generally in the transatlantic relationship. Uh, and uh, this is a very fitting moment uh, for this conversation. Uh, the new administration of the United States has uh, begun work. President Biden's foreign policy team has been appointed. And just last week, President Biden addressed the Munich Security Conference laying out his vision for the transatlantic uh, agenda. It was a keenly anticipated speech, uh, being as it was uh, one of the first detailed uh, foreign policy pronouncements of the new administration. Diplomats and analysts all across the world uh, have been examining the content and the language and the nuances of uh, what was said. Uh, and with the help of the ambassador, we will also uh, do that today in order to better grasp uh, the significance of all of this uh, to the U.S.-Baltic and the U.S.-Latvian relationship. By the way, uh, Mr. Ambassador, um, it was great uh, that President Biden mentioned Riga uh, in his address at the Munich conference. Um, did you have a hand in this, Mr. Ambassador? I'd like to say I did, but uh, I did not. But we were also... Uh uh feeling good about the reference from from rome to riga so and i uh i passed that along to my colleagues at the at other european uh, uh missions to let them know how important we were all right so the quote was the united states will work closely with our european union partners and the capitals across the capitals across the continent from rome to riga to meet the range of shared challenges we face Okay, uh, we will come back to President Biden's speech uh, in a moment, uh, but um, let me begin uh, by referring to an older statement uh, by President Obama five years ago uh, when he addressed uh, the internal political divide in the United States. And he said uh, that America divided into warring tribes, I quote, contradicts everything that makes us the envy of the world, end quote. Mr. Ambassador, mm -hmm. uh, my question is, we, we've been through the, uh, the election cycle once again. We, uh, all of the world obviously follows the American elections as if they, it was their own election to some extent. Um, obviously, that is, uh, that is uh, a sign of how important um, the United States is to the world. Um, but um, referring to that quote, I think uh, an important quote, and by the way, uh, you, the new Secretary of State, uh, Mr. Blinken, also told the State Department employees last month, he said, the world is watching us intensely right now. They want to know if we can heal our nation. So my question is, Mr. Ambassador, have you felt that... Um, the intensity of American domestic debates over the last few years has somewhat affected American standing in the world. 
and your ability to get things done internationally? Well, I would leave it to uh, other governments to, to make a comment on whether it affects our, uh, our leadership uh, directly or to what extent it has affected our leadership overseas. But uh, I will point out that both the Secretary, Secretary Blinken, and especially the President have said that America's back. We have to do a lot of work to regain the trust of our allies to repair some of the damages that have been done to the alliances. Uh, including the Transatlantic Alliance. And as you mentioned, the president made an uh, important speech uh, at the Munich conference. And I would point to that as well as uh, the secretary's speech, as you also mentioned at the State Department, and also some public remarks and uh, editorial that our new Secretary of Defense, uh, uh, Austin, has, you know, has uh, issued uh, sort of as the outline the, the first cornerstones, I think, of uh, the Biden administration foreign policy. Now, a lot of things remain to be done in terms of reviews, uh, in particular, our position vis-a-vis -vis Russia, uh, what we're going to do, our way forward uh, in terms of Iran and China and other important areas of the world. So the administration is taking a look at, at these things. But I think the underlying message is that America is back in its traditional role as being a leader or the leader in the transatlantic alliance. And we're looking to uh, repair some of the damage that, that the president has referred to over the last uh, few years. What has been the initial uh, reaction uh, from, from your um, counterparts in the Latvian government to uh, what they heard? Have you had any of those discussions yet? I have some and I, I can't for obvious reasons uh, go into the actual details of it, but. Um, the, the conversations, the uh, interaction with the, the host government here to some extent or to a large extent has reflected the public comments that you, I'm sure you have seen from uh, the, the prime minister and the foreign minister, uh, including their tweets uh, soon after the inauguration. In his address to the uh, conference, uh, President Biden, as you said, reassured America's transatlantic allies. He said, America is back. He said, Article 5 is ironclad. He stressed how important it is for the democratic camp to stick together as uh, we face the challenge of the authoritarian regimes of this world. President Biden mentioned specifically the challenge posed by Russia and China. And he specifically stressed that, and I quote here, we must prepare together for a long-term strategic competition with China. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I'll begin by that aspect in the speech because that was so pronounced and obviously uh, uh, the uh, question regarding uh, the, the Chinese, uh, the status of China in, the, in, the, in our global world and international relations has been so central and, and becoming more and more central. Um, uh, when I sort of try and frame with uh, this within the uh, transatlantic agenda, uh, don't, you, don't we have a problem, Mr. Ambassador, that uh, within the different corners, so to speak, of the transatlantic community, uh, mm -hmm. among the countries of Europe and the United States, there are very different perceptions of, uh, of what, what China represents. Is, is it not a challenge that, uh, that is going to face us uh, in, in, the, in the years to come? Yes, of course. 
And look, China is an extremely important uh, country in the world. And in the relationship, uh, I'll speak particularly of the, uh, the United States relationship uh, with China. Look, there, as the president has said, there are adversarial aspects to the relationship. There are competitive aspects to the relationship and there are cooperative aspects to the relationship. And so you have, one needs to look at uh, the different facets of the relationship. And of course, other countries, including our allies, will have uh, similar points of view or perhaps slightly different points of view. But the way to look at them uh, as, is together and also from a position of strength. What type of uh, specific agenda does this include? If you can elaborate uh, a bit on that uh, uh, for the transatlantic community, which policy areas um, uh, shall we, you know, uh, cooperate more and establish sort of new, uh, you know, cooperation frameworks more or less or, or focus on? Uh, regarding uh, the, the questions uh, on, on China. Can, can you add some specificity to that? Well, I, could, I don't want to get out ahead of the administration because it hasn't finished its review of how it wants to approach certain issues, but I think it's easy to say that there are certain areas that are obvious, human rights being one, trade being another, security uh, sort of aspects, uh, whether that's uh, cyber security or telecommunications security, those sorts of things. Um, let me add a, a sort of a frame a question in a bit of a provocative kind of way. I, I know that diplomats lo love that, you know, <laughs> when questions are being framed like that. <laughs> so let me... Fair warning. All right. Um, so is the Baltic States really a useful partner? to the United States when it comes to competition with China? I'm not sure I would uh, phrase it just quite like that or limit it to that sort of discussion. But look, it, it's an actually an easy question because uh, the Baltic states, including Latvia, are extremely good friends of the United States. And I like to think and I know that the United States are, is a good friend to the Baltic countries too. We have the same common democratic values we understand the, the risks in the world. We understand the geopolitical uh, issues that need to be confronted in this part of the world. And we're on the same page. And uh, the relationship, both on a uh, personal relation, uh, on a personal level, as well as a policy level, are very close. And the president has been here. The president understands the Baltics, and uh, he remembers when he was here. And I think it's important to go back and look at the sorts of things he said when he was there in 2016 and how important uh, this, this part of the world is. Would you anticipate a Biden visit to, uh, to the Baltic states? If, if uh, I, we, we like to, uh, in this part of the world, we like to count how many times which president sure. uh, has visited, right? So we had in the 1990s, we'd had uh, Clinton once uh, to Riga. Uh, then in uh, George W. Bush years, there were multiple times, uh, multiple visits. Uh, that was, of course, the time when the NATO was being expanded. And, and uh, uh, then Obama uh, uh, arrived uh, uh, in, the, in the wake of uh, the invasion of uh, Ukraine. Um, 
Um, and uh, well, President Trump didn't uh, come. So would you anticipate uh, Biden traveling to this part of the world? I think that would be terrific. Uh, I know the, the Baltic uh, leaders would like that, including uh, here in Latvia. Uh, the Secretary of State was scheduled to come here, uh, at least initially in March, when the uh, NATO foreign ministers meeting was still tentatively scheduled until COVID pushed it to Brussels. It'd be great if the secretary is able to travel, if there's a foreign minister's meeting towards the end of the year, that would be a terrific visit. And I'm, I'm not alone in terms of the American ambassadors putting requests in uh, back to Washington to get some high level visitors out here. And of course, having the president come would, would be the best type of visit of all. Do your colleagues uh, in Washington even acknowledge the receipt of those requests <laughs> you're sending? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, we have conversations on this uh, quite often. Uh, the White House obviously is focused on uh, a couple of big things right now. Obviously, the, the COVID situation, the economic situation in the United States is job number one. And with that, uh, very close behind is uh, repairing the the alliances around the world and uh, getting us back on familiar footing diplomatically. Why I was asking this, uh, half jokingly, but nevertheless, I, I think it uh, sort of leads me into uh, an important uh, overall topic nonetheless. It is, I mean, we've, uh, the Obama administration uh, already, it was years ago, uh, announced the pivot to Asia, right? And uh, back, it was like 10 years have passed. Uh, more than that, uh, since the announcement um, uh, of that policy. And uh, ever since, we've been wondering uh, in Europe whether the prioritization of the sort of Pacific theater uh, will not come at the expense of deprioritization of the European theater in, uh, in American strategy. Um, and, and always, uh, the, uh, obviously, the United States foreign policy makers have uh, did their best to uh, sort of to dissipate these uh, concerns and fears um, from coming from uh, American, uh, at least some of them, uh, American allies in Europe. But nevertheless, that, that, that question is still being asked. And I think it is a, a, nevertheless always a legitimate question to raise whether, uh, whether the United States uh, is going to be capable of focusing, you know, um, simultaneously paying the attention to 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 those two theaters of the world and uh, and sort of uh, on an even keel, so to speak, to keep the policy. Um, can you, I mean, add something to that? I know this is going to be a hundredth reiteration of of perhaps the same thing, but nevertheless, uh, I think it is useful uh, from time to time to return to this topic to sort of check the temperature. Uh, of uh, when, when a new administration is coming in uh, and uh, new um, officials are being appointed and new policy papers are being drafted? It's a great question. I think a lot of this will uh, we'll find out over time, but uh, East Asia, specifically China, will be continue to be an extremely important uh, foreign policy sphere uh, for the United States or arena, if you will. But I think it's quite important to remember where the president spoke first. He spoke at the Munich conference. Uh, General Austin, I'm sorry, Secretary of Defense Austin also uh, 
address the Transatlantic Alliance partners first. Uh, you're seeing things come out of Washington, reiterating the importance of the Transatlantic Alliance, including in addressing issues in the, the Pacific area. I'll, I'll switch now to, uh, to the topic of Russia. You, you already mentioned, obviously, that there, there, this is a portfolio that still needs to, you know, uh, to be sorted out, in a sense. Uh, detail needs to be added to what, uh, what policy is going to look like. Um, so uh, President Biden mentioned that the challenges with Russia may be different than the ones with China, but they're just as real. Um, he mentioned uh, all of the different uh, sort of uh, you know, planes, uh, areas, uh, or, or how that relationship um, is competitive, uh, corruption being weaponized, hacking, uh, uh, disinformation, and, and all of these things. Um, once again, bearing in mind that you don't want to be, you know, uh, in front of the formulations coming out from Washington, right? This is still in process, but but can we can you can you think of something that perhaps once again can we try and be more specific uh, um, in in uh, coming up with uh, new formats or new instruments uh, to to stand up to these challenges? Anything you know specific? Maybe coming up from the region as well. Um, for example. Uh, the former Latvian foreign minister and former Latvian ambassador to the United States, Ivis has put out an opinion editorial um, shortly before the election. He said, uh, well, maybe um, uh, all of these issues might lead us to thinking about, for example, opening an FBI field office somewhere here in Central Eastern Europe, maybe in Latvia as well, to, uh, to tackle these issues better and to sort of open up new avenues for cooperation and new avenues for the United States presence in the region. So anything to add uh, at this point on, on, on this? Well, you, that was a quite a broad question. But on Russia, I will say, again, you refer to the, the administration still looking for uh, how it's going to move forward. But I think it was very important uh, uh, to note, or it is very important to note, one of the first things the administration did was to uh, propose uh, a, an extension, a five-year extension of the New START agreement, which was quickly accepted by uh, the Russian government. And I think this is a good thing. It um, keeps a cap on a, the, some of the core nuclear weapons uh, of Russia and allows certain inspection rights and, and that sort of thing. And that's important uh, as an indicator that the United States is looking for areas we can cooperate in, but also, uh, there's going to be many, many areas that uh, we disagree on, that we have fundamental differences on, including human rights, the rule of law, uh, treatment of people such as Mr. Navalny. And I think uh, my government has been very strong and very clear in its reaction to the rest of Mr. Navalny. And other issues such, such as territorial integrity issues, whether it's in Georgia or Crimea or uh, in Ukraine. Uh, these are the sorts of things I, I think the United States, this administration will take a very clear-eyed view towards Russia, looking for places to cooperate, but uh, there's going to be many places where we're going to have fundamental differences. Um, let me um, 
have uh, uh, another quote from your president uh, in the Munich speech that I wanted to pay attention to and discuss some a bit more. Uh, so the president said, and I quote, I've ordered the halting of withdrawal of American troops from Germany. I'm also lifting the cap imposed by the previous administration on the number of U.S. forces able to be based in Germany. Uh, that was a, uh, a policy area, uh, sort of deployment of uh, allied troops, of American troops in Europe. So th there were uh, plans being made of maybe decreasing those troop numbers in Germany uh, and, and um, um, Poland and the Baltic states were uh, working with the previous administration um, on the issue of maybe uh, those troops maybe moved to, uh, uh, to Eastern Europe um, to strengthen the uh, extended forward uh, um, uh, presence uh, program of NATO or on a bilateral uh, setting. So the new administration has uh, reversed some of that dynamic with regard uh, to Germany. Um, does does where, where where does it leave those initiatives uh, about uh, strengthening American military, strengthening even more? Obviously, American uh, military presence as as a NATO ally has been strengthened uh, over the uh, over the last. Uh, few years during the previous administration and during the Obama administration as well. So the, uh, there has been a tendency towards mm, more uh, intensive cooperation in that regard already. But nevertheless, what is, what is sort of the, the assessment of the current uh, trend uh, in that policy area? Well, I think if, uh, if, if someone had read uh, Secretary of Defense Austin's uh, recent comments, um, and also, which are based on what the president has said, is we want to make sure, reassure our NATO allies of the strength of the transatlantic relationship, the strength of the United States commitment to NATO, particularly Article 5, which the president has called a sacred commitment. It's the bedrock of what NATO is all about. And I think some of these, the, the early moves by the president to uh, reverse some of the decisions on, in terms of basing of troops and the numbers of troops that the previous administration took was one, to reassure our partners in Europe of the United States commitment and to assure them that uh, whatever we uh, decide, whatever the administration decides will be uh, from a position of strength. And I think the Secretary of Defense has also said uh, quite clearly is that we're going to uh, consult with our partners and we're going to make decisions together and we're going to move forward together. And I think, and going back to your uh, point that there has been uh, an increased commitment by our European allies in recent years, ever since the, uh, the Wales commitment in 2014 to, to increase defense spending and to make sure any increase or a certain percentage of the increase goes to modernization. And I think it's a good news story over during the Obama administration, during the Trump administration, that uh, our European allies were, were actually, were indeed stepping up and strengthening their commitment to, to that NATO alliance. It's gonna take some time, I think, before the administration uh, announces any particular changes or not in terms of force positioning. And, and I'm certainly, I'm not privy to the initial thinking on that, but uh, like you, I, I wait with interest. I know our, 
Latvian colleagues, both in the Ministry of Defense and elsewhere here, would be very interested in increasing the American troop presence here. Uh, we have a pretty robust uh, rotational presence here um, with different exercises every year. But, you know, for me speaking personally, that'd be terrific if there was such a, an increase uh, as some people would like. Ambassador, one uh, other issue, and I think I'll, I'll conclude on that. Uh, my mm, my referencing of uh, President Biden's uh, address to the Munich Security Conference. So one of the one of the overarching themes in that address was the democracy versus autocracy, and 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 the president said that we're in the midst of a fundamental debate about the future and the direction of our world. Mm -hmm. In this context, mm, let me ask you this. Have you noticed that uh, within sort of American foreign policy circles, uh, somehow the view of Central Eastern Europe has changed over the last few years? Because uh, there are a few countries uh, among American allies as well within the region that, uh, uh, that have certain issues uh, regarding uh, the rule of law. Uh, and and the uh, U.S. administration has positioned itself as well in, in those uh, on those issues uh, in in those countries uh, regarding those countries. So, um, has all of that, has any of that, affected sort of uh, the U.S. view of this part of the world? So, so the um, among the allies, uh, there have been signs that you know, uh, you know liberal ideals and, and democratic ideals, um, um, you know, might be questioned at certain points. Has that changed um, um, view of this region? Well, uh, in that speech, I think uh, that's where the president also said uh, we're at an inflection point in history. Uh, and what we do now, uh, future historians will look back on what, uh, what countries did and how they promoted uh, interests that were important to them. And I think the president also mentioned something that uh, is very key to his thinking, whether it's uh, looking what has happened in my country or more broadly throughout the world, in that democracy is a, is a fragile thing. And one has to fight for it. One has to stand up for it. Uh, one cannot be shy on it. But there are fundamental truths, uh, whether it's human rights, whether it's other tenets of a liberal democracy that have to be fought for. And the best way to do that, again, as the president has repeatedly said, as the Secretary of State has said, and as Secretary Austin has said, we have to do with our allies. We have to do with our European allies and other allies around the world. All right, Mr. Ambassador, uh, just a couple of more minutes and, uh, and we're done. Uh, and thanks once again for uh, sort of uh, fitting this into your uh, packed schedule. By the way, uh, there's a, a whole bunch of uh, important historical anniversaries last year, this year, and next year as well. So uh, next year is going to be 100 years since the U.S.-Latvian diplomatic relations, so 1922. Um, this year, it's 30 years uh, since full resumption of relations following the re-establishment of Latvian independence, so that's 1991. Um, and 
last year, uh, well, it was the anniversary of perhaps the proudest episode in the history of U.S.-Latvian relations, the non-recognition policy 1940, okay, so um, uh, 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 an anniversary to that as well. So um, 80 years since the establishment of non-recognition policy. Um, to you as a, as a, as a diplomat, uh, what is the sort of main significance of uh, all of these uh, historical lessons that, that come with those anniversaries? Well, let me just say, yes, we're, we're very much aware of all these anniversaries coming up, especially the 30th uh, anniversary of the resumption of, uh, of the ability of our diplomats to come back to, mm -hmm. to Latvia. And we have a whole series of programs throughout the year to mark this. Because I've only been here uh, about 14, 15 months now. But one of the things I have noticed and I really enjoy is the importance that Latvia puts on commemorations, on anniversaries, because it again marks struggle and the overcoming of obstacles and the pushing forward, the, the yearning to be free, the need and the want for democratic institutions. So anything that can be done to reinforce those sorts of things, to remember, because history does matter, and to allow others to rewrite history, to to, as we say in the United States, to gaslight people, to try to change uh, people's perception of what really happened. That's a dangerous thing. So it's important to always remember what actually happened and to accentuate the positive. Because again, democracy is fragile and we need to continually fight for it. We need to continually remind people of the dangers to it. And on the 80th anniversary of the non-recognition that Sumner Wells uh, uh, proclaimed or on behalf of my government. We understand that. In fact, the, the, the street where the embassy is located is named after Sumner Wells. So it's a recognition, I think, both by Latvia and of the United States uh, of the importance of these sorts of recognitions, remembering um, that there are, to, not to be trite about, but there are forces of darkness out there and they sometimes can become very powerful, but it's important to work together to always push back. Mr. Ambassador, this is an exciting period of time because the new administration has begun work and obviously there's a um, work needs to be done to, to reformulate the policies and, and, and to add detail to those policies. So I'll, I'll just, uh, in conclusion, I'll, I'll ask uh, that you come back at some point and, and we continue uh, this conversation uh, uh, at, at some later point because uh, uh, the... Uh, U.S.-Latvian relations uh, such an important um, uh, aspect of Latvian foreign policy uh, in, in, the, in the sense of that strategic relationship with the United States. So it was great uh, to have to spend this half an hour with you. I hope to do this again uh, at some point. And uh, thank you very much for, for, for joining us today. No, thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. And uh, anytime, happy to do it again. All right. Thank you, Mr. Ambassador. And that concludes uh, this uh, special podcast. Thank you very much on behalf of the Latvian Institute of International Affairs. <laughs>